Hello and welcome to another episode of St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Tales River alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. And the exploration might be a little bit short this week because we are dealing with, last week we dealt with the most difficult text to preach on. This week we are dealing with an extension of that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's kind of exposing the psychological warfare that the church plays on you, the listener. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Rodney White. And I want to know one thing. It's Harvest Festival on the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. Heritage Day, a whole lot of things happening. But the Harvest Festival is interesting because the readings... Um, especially the gospel, is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, which speaks of the rich man and the, essentially the leper, and then the one goes to hell and the other one goes to heaven. And it's very interesting that this text would come on harvest because you're kind of playing on people's emotions to, you know, share their wealth a little bit. <laughs> good day, Lindsay, and good day to all who listen and tuned in. Much appreciated. Are we? Is every um, uh, rhetorical uh, um, uh, conversation playing on people's emotion in whatever context there is, um, or are we searching for deeper meaning to our lives and deeper a deeper sense of truth? And where where would we? Uh, tend to find that. I can't profess to know everything about everything that there is possibly to know mm-hmm. uh, from the classical times until current contemporary times in terms of knowledge, philosophy, theology, and all those kind of things. So um, as a good Anglican, I take scripture, tradition, reason, and experience uh, as important authorities in my in my life, scripture because it gives me an, a sense of um, that I have in myself um, that there must be a God. Uh, where is the story told about this God? Where did I hear about it? And why would my parents be be one of those? And the school that I attended, why would they? Give me the inclination that uh, that sense in yourself that you are the question you are asking the the biggest question you are asking um, uh, is who, who made this all and what is this really all about? Mm-hmm. So as as I'm drawn to the field of theology, but but you know more than that, theology for me is is this is, is about the presence of who God is to us. And that's where I find Jesus. And so Jesus is very central to the gospel message. Am I trying to now coax people to rethink their uh, um, accumulation uh, of, of wealth and stuff? I must say in every parish, whether there are people who are doing extremely well um, and their lives show it in terms of the material side of our lives and whether there's those who are struggling but managing and whether there's those that have nothing. It's very difficult to speak on texts where you have these kind of comparisons, rich and poor, um, wealthy and uh, those who have nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, those who have can accumulate more. Um, those who don't have cannot use what they don't have to accumulate anything. Uh, the reality is that our world is set up where there are rich people and there are poor people, and there are questions: how how do we how do what what's the reasons for poverty? And obviously, it's contextual. Um, I don't think every context necessarily is the, the same. But there's no doubt colonialization and and apartheid did the huge damage to create a poor and a rich um, uh, society. 
um, and that they are people who have who have had to live in abject poverty for generations. I mean, look no further than those who work on the farms. Mm. You know, that's been a source of slave labor. And you and I can't come out of it because we benefit from what they do. But we seem powerless to address the, that out of their hard work, they, not, they don't seem to have material improvements that um, the farmer himself has. So the farmer may argue, yeah, but I'm taking the risks. Yeah. I'm getting the loans and all of that. Sure, I, that, I, don't un, I don't deny that possibility, but you're taking the risk based on, uh, a, 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 based on a, a, a society that allows you to do this and gives you various forms to fall back onto. Well, what does the farm laborer have to do? The risks that they take costs, can cost them their lives, standing in the sun, having to face the elements. Um, not eating properly, being on the dope system. I mean, all of these things and some of the things we don't even know that has affected them. So should there not be a story in which Jesus addresses the social dynamics um, of, of his time, helping us to look at the social dynamics of our time? And 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 therefore, as I said, very diff, very difficult because I mean I I worked in Fishuk, for example. Fishuk, the assumption that retired white folk go there. They mm -hmm. most of them have been wealthy all their lives. They would argue that that's not the case. Uh, you know, some of them had to leave Zimbabwe, for example, uh, and left whatever they had behind, had to restart their lives this side. So yeah, we you can't put a blanket over everybody and say it's the same. However, the issues do, fit, do face you. And I would say, you know, um, I, I really, if I, if I look at the current con congregation I'm serving in, I, don't, I look at these people and I'm saying they took advantage of the opportunities to study. They improved their lives. But their generosity to me is of such a nature that they're not holding on without sharing. Yeah, I have been so impressed, blessed, humbled by all the people in our congregations, including St. Monica's people. Uh, when you think of West Bank, you think of poverty. You think of, you know, um, the gang, gang mentality that exists around there. Uh, oppose that to Ruval or other places where our people stay, where it's relatively quiet in terms of that, but they are targets of robberies and all of that kind of stuff. But these people have worked hard. I mean, I, I can see that. I know that. Um, when I listen to some of these stories, I'm ashamed as a priest that I have to preach to them as if I lord it over them simply because I'm the preacher. Hmm. I would like to say that the sermons that I learn from are the lives of the people I engage, including yeah. yours, Lindsay. Um, you are the Bible that I read as well. Your lives are that. So I can't avoid what the, what themes come up, what co context Jesus dealt, dealt with. As someone who's called to preach, as someone who's asking the Holy Spirit to guide me in what I say. So I have to address things that are sometimes, depending on the individual, um, a, a challenging situation. I can promise you, I try not to, I they have no intentions of throwing stones at people from the pulpit because that's not the intention. The intention is that we speak of God's love in the difficult contexts we live in. Mm. How is that love so, so, supposed to be manifested in our lives? And I would like to say congratulations to those who have uh, been good to themselves through what they have been able to to, to, to grow in their lives. But I also want to say to the same, same people, thank you that you, have, that you don't have closed palms. Yeah. That you're also generous in many, many ways. And that says for me there's a balance. Mm -hmm. So if I raise this issue of the rich man and, and the poor man in this story, is it then to challenge them and say, oh, look what's, what's, um, what they're saying about rich people here. Yeah. Is that really what Jesus is saying about rich people generously? 
generally, always Jesus looking at and, and saying, you know, as I always say, and I and I've had to do this, as you know, we've been talking about the subject uh, yeah. a few times now. Don't let your materialism possess you. Mm. Um, so in in saying that, I'm also saying there is a sense of in which um, uh, you know uh, your 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 detachment from it. It's that it shouldn't control you, that it shouldn't make you paranoid. Mm. Um, uh, um, you, you, our minds mustn't be obsessed by what money can and cannot do. Um, we 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 must. We, we must not give up uh, trusting that what we have is gift. Who we are is God's gift to us too. And and as somebody then said, well, then in our, what we do and how we do it should be our gift to God as we then also show that our lives in community are called to share. Mm. With. But now one must also say, some some people use poverty or they put their 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 sense of poverty as a tool. Yeah. Um. You know, as a weapon. Um. It's and, been weaponized uh, by the church, as that's as, as I've said true. many times. Yeah, that's also true. But you know, there's a sense in which the church had to, you know, the, the church had to deal with very powerful people amongst them. Hmm. Popes and bishops and all of those kind of people played huge roles in the kind of um, uh, materialism of the church, hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, I think they, that 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 it has been. There's no doubt. However, that's why we still need to continue talking about it and finding a ways. What is it that Jesus was talking about here and why does the gospel writer choose to use words like rich man mm. poor man yeah it's, it's an important uh, point that you make there because i believe that this text has also been very very wildly misinterpreted uh because well first it's an anonymous text uh, this this the chapter 16 with the, the church just kind of had a consensus that it can be attributed to to, to Luke. And so it goes like this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. So I'm I'm going to stop it right there. I'm, I'm going to go get back to to the rest of it. But yeah, like the 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 rich man in this thing, like this dude did nothing wrong. Like he didn't he didn't persecute Lazarus. Like he had no effect on what Lazarus was going through. He was just living his life, and this dude was just hanging out by his gate, longing to feed from the scraps of his table. So like you cannot. Equate it's a it's a false equivalency to equate Lazarus's situation with the rich man's gain, you know. And then here it says that Lazarus was affected by evil. He was effectively a leper. Um, I'm just inferring from from the text because he had the sores on his body. Um, and why is this being? Why is Jesus speaking to Pharisees using this language? Describing Lazarus as being affected by something evil, also talking about a hell kind of situation, which is more like a purgatory because, like, hell would be completely separated from heaven if you kind of go into that. And then Hades is also a 
a Greek word. Um, so this was originally written in Greek. So there's a lot of translatory things that maybe got lost <laughs> um, in there. But then right at the end, the rich man like accepts his situation. Like he's not trying to save himself. He's not trying to elevate himself out of Hades. He's just like, yo, can you give me a drink of water? And like, can you go warn my brothers, you know, <laughs> to like treat people better? And then Abraham says to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So he's saying like, raise Lazarus from the dead to go warn my brothers. To be so here's the crux of the thing. This is for me what is what the most important part of this is. Within the context of speaking to Pharisees and not wanting to get arrested yet, <laughs> Jesus is like giving a lesson of like, there's, there's, he's doing a bit of dramatic like foretelling um, and just trying to, to speak to the minds of, 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 these, of these Pharisees to like be open to, you know, your message can come from like wherever. But if y'all didn't listen the first time, what, what, how are you going to listen the second time? Well, I, I found that that was a very interesting uh, um, um, point of the story, too, where, where Moses and the prophets are those that ought to be listened to in our earthly journey. So has heaven provided messengers? of its message around, let's say, the gift of eternal life, and that that message which is brought through Moses and the prophets, Moses the liberator, and the prophets who called the people back to covenanted living with God um, uh, through life of repentance. Um, as God provided a message that earth could listen to, that comes, that would be an, a message based on, let's say, the celebration of what heaven is all about. Um, and if you can't listen on earth, would you listen anywhere else? Would you listen when you're in Hades or whatever it is that that stands for? So I take that a very crucial part of this story, that um, the, the, there are messengers uh, we must engage the, the message and the messenger uh, in order for us to say what is it that is being um, proclaimed uh, so that we then resonate with that in our earthly walk. Hmm. How does heaven inform, and if one talks of inspiration of scripture, is that heaven informing us through the earthly stories um, through the earthly engagement, uh, what it's all about, if I can put it down like that. So do we take notice, do we listen for, for the message that is going to make a difference in our lives? Like you and I were talking earlier about um, technology and phones and so on. You know, somehow phones have become um, an, an, more than an accessory to our lives. In fact, yeah. some people even say, my life is caught up in that. Now, if, if we look at the message behind, why do I have that particular phone? What did I hear? And so why I responded as a convert to that message. And now I've got the, the contraption in my hand and it has now become my life, is the convert's um, uh, observation of what has happened. So too, the message of the gospel. What is it that we needed to hear from Moses and the, and the prophets who came with a, a, a message, as it were, from heaven to, to speak to our earthly hearts, our earthly minds, our earthly eyes, our earthly lives, and to help reshape us. Now, coming then back to the story of the rich man, poor man. I'm, as, as you were sort of going through the story, I then was touched by these words. The rich man asked for generosity when he landed up in Hades, according to the story. The, 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 the simple relief that he was looking for would have been 
a drop of water from the fingers of Lazarus. That was, was, was the relief he was looking for. And then given his own position, he then unselfishly said, well, I don't want my brothers to come and land up here where I am. Maybe somebody from the other side should come and tell us the story. Yeah. So, 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 so then we go back to where he sits around the table um, and feasts sumptuously every day. Looking at a brother, is, is, what was he looking at when he saw Lazarus? Was he looking at a brother? Was he looking at a poor man that didn't take his opportunities? Was he sitting in judgment over Lazarus's context and felt that it would be far more wasteful to let Lazarus lick from under his table than for his dogs, which probably meant they part of the family. So, so yeah. where was the generosity in his heart when he saw a fellow human being in the crisis that he was? You can, you can always then go back and say to somebody, so why are you in the situation? But now let me help you sit up, give you something that can fill you and see if I can assist you further. Uh, and then talk about why he landed up in the crisis. I, I was I was ministering to a man one day in a CPE course, clinical pastoral educational course that we had to do in our post um, ordained years. That was like we were two years into the ministry, and so it was it was the end of the hospital, and Khrutsky was where we went, and we had to then minister to them and come back and do verbatim conversations to try and see whether we assisted the person or not. Uh, so it was really training us in ministry to people who are in with their various contexts. And I came upon this man, and um, he was from Bredazdorp. Never forgotten that. And a very soft-spoken man. So already Bredazdorp registered with me. He's far from his family. He's obviously, his family's not going to be able to be near. <clears throat> this was on a Monday. He had come in on Friday. He was being prepared for an amputation. And um, he, I, you know, asked him about that. And then he said uh, to me that uh, he, he started, he, he, you know, he started telling me how he, afraid he was for this operation simply because um, somebody had come there on Friday to minister to him and said to him, um, why are you in this context? Uh, is it because you, you, you the, the, the way that you lived, now your circulations are not working out, and so you have to have the amputation. Now he goes on to say this word, he says. So when you get into heaven, the man still has to go through an operation, right? The insensitivity of those. So when you get to heaven, um, what are you going to tell God what happened to your leg? That man was so broken. He still had to go through an operation where he possibly couldn't need, he, he, he couldn't he, he possibly couldn't come out of. Who knows? Complications happen. Yeah. And then I said to him, my simple words to him was this, my brother, why would God ask you something that God already knows the reasons for? And tears rolled down his eyes. <laughs> now there were two, two ministers, myself <clears throat> and and this other person on the Friday. Was I trying to, what was I trying to do by just saying to him, why would God ask you something that God already knows? What, what gospel was I bringing to him? What gospel was the other guy bringing to him? Was I trying to bring him a gospel of comfort? A gospel of a God that knows and cares? Was the other one placing him in the, the sense of, you're going to be judged by God for having had your leg removed? And you need to have your story right when you get up there. Mm. Um, so what was Jesus trying to tell us here? Was he trying to say to us, you know, we are called in this life to be as generous as we can because what we have is gift. And that there will be a brother or a sister, maybe through their own uh, fault, that they end up in desperate situations. 
Whilst we may try to find out why so we can help them get back onto their feet, our immediate response of generosity is to get them out of that state of desperation and hopelessness. So, 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 so what was Jesus trying to tell us here? Was Jesus trying to say to the rich man, yeah, the generosity of heaven and the generosity of earth plays off as the same. Uh, what is expected in heaven as generosity is also expected. Now, that's the message of the gospel. Now, if your brothers don't listen to what Moses taught, the prophets spoke about. And here Jesus was referring to the Old Testament records, the Old Testament experiences. Um, if they don't really reflect on that and use, allow themselves to engage that message, then um, sadly, nobody coming back from the dead will, will want, you know, they're going to speak the same language that you could have heard when you were here or not. So that's really how I read this um oh, some of the stuff here i i do know that going down uh, and and the other themes is there a heaven and is there a hell um is is another theme that may may come up here and i know that there are people burning to preach about hell <laughs> um, but, but, but but i'm just going to stop you there like there's, there's there's a lot of things at play here like one is this notion of of Jesus, you, you said it, those are like your words, what is Jesus trying to tell us, to teach us? And it's like, the context of this isn't that, you know, we can't expect, I actually got some feedback last night from somebody, from my wife, <laughs> who was actually explaining why, I, I, we were talking about your, your boy Paul, who we'll, we'll get to uh, later, and there was some exception to the fact that I referred to um, Paul as this homie and like using that kind of language. So when I use that language, it's to illustrate that these are people. These are the stories of people like you and me. There is nothing special about these people. Absolutely nothing. Just because they appear in a book does not make them anything special. Does not make them um I lost my words now, <laughs> immune to criticism. It does not make them infallible, you know? So yeah, it's like, Jesus, every word that is attributed to Jesus isn't a word to us, to people, to all people, you know? We just make it out that way because we're wanting to, you know, learn from every, you know, little morsel of philosophy. But then we don't learn. And yeah, this is the dude speaking to a group of Pharisees. The lesson here has nothing to do with the man, the rich man, in inverted commas, his relation to Lazarus. He was just going about his business. Why is the burden of care placed on him just because he has accumulated wealth? He's not being malicious. You know, he's not persecuting people. He's not doing anything like that. What about the community that doesn't want to interact with Lazarus because he's a leper? Because he has been afflicted with evil things, as is being said here. You know? And the rich man achieved, like, good things. So why, why are we fixating on, on, on this? And then it's, like, echoed in, in the toxic words of, of Paul, again, in 1 Timothy 6. Verses 16 19. It's like, uh, well, religion does make us very rich if we are satisfied with what we have. What did we bring into this world? Nothing. We can take out of what can we take out of this world? Nothing. So then, if we have food and clothes, that should be enough for us. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and are caught up or caught in the trap of many foolish and harmful desires which pull them down to ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a source of all kinds of evil. Some have been so eager to have it that they have wandered away from the faith and have broken their hearts with many sorrows. But you, man of God, avoid all these things. Strive for righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Run your best race, your best in the race of faith, and win eternal life for yourself. For it was to this life that God called you when you firmly professed your faith 
before many witness, witnesses. So here is like the, the classic narrative of like, wealth can only bring evil. No, I had a meeting with a very good friend of mine who does so much to uplift his immediate community. His family, this is a, a adopted orphan, adopted by Scottish parents, raised in Britain, came back, like, and is working to make this world better, right? To improve his own wealth as well, because you can't save somebody from you in the same situation, no? His only concern is he doesn't want to pay excessive tax because there's no tangible return on that kind of investment. Like if he could see the government working better with tax money, like opening hospitals, more schools, like and not just like stealing the stuff, then he would pay excessive amounts of tax. Like he would pay half of, like he stands to make quite a bit of money on one of the business deals that he made now. And he is not evil in any he does not wish ill on anybody. So it's like this idea that the moment you're wealthy, you currently like steal. Well, the capitalist system dictates that if someone's winning, somebody is losing. That is a reality of the world that we live in. Like we cannot, none of us are then innocent of that. If you are in a better situation than anybody else, someone lost for you to win because there isn't enough to go around in terms of money. Um, yeah, uh, so it's again like this, 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 this idea, this, this, this purity of a philosophy that Jesus was trying to say. And like the real message in there was to the Pharisees to open up their minds to the idea that, you know, if you didn't listen to Moses, the very law that you are sworn to uphold, like, why would you listen to somebody who you know, was raised from the dead? And then it gets bastardized into this whole thing of like, now, now even today, you'll, you'll get preachers out there talking on this text and focusing on like the rich and, you know, it's evil wealth and all this stuff. And you must like give to everybody and me also. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, um, I would want to say that the gospel reading for me is... Heaven's generosity influences Earth's generosity. If we would listen to the message that is brought about through people like like Moses and and the prophets, mm. and so the challenge was around generosity, um, not so much for me about the status. It's what you do with your wealth that matters. Mm. <clears throat> And, and and so your friend, now my friend, I would describe as not somebody who loves money, but as using his gifts and talents, using, never forgotten his roots of abandonment and, um, and sense of hopelessness. He was taken in and raised and then discovered gifts and talents he could use that in his accumulation of wealth through his business talents and skills or whatever knowledge and stuff he uses without he and and his his thought is of this i need to give so that others who are on the losing side may have some benefit from my own skills if i wasn't helped i wouldn't be where i am so who I have become, who I am right now is gift to me. How do I now use what I am able to, to, to have learned so that others are benefit? But he's also challenged by, and all of us are, when we are taxed, are, is the intention really to create an improvement for those who have been entrapped? And I'm speaking specifically here to our context in South Africa, who has been, have been entrapped in poverty for generations hmm. um, and, and is taxed not that kind of uh, reprieve for them to have opportunity that they would not have had. Hmm. So I would then describe 
your friend, now my friend, as the man of God, whose focus is not just on making money. He's got the gift and talent to do so. He must use that. We mm. need people like him. But I think what he's doing is because he strives to be righteous, godly, person of faith, love, endurance, and that are It's the character of the person, mm. not mm. the accumulation uh, that, that is mad. I mustn't look at a person who's wealthy at their, at their wealth. I need to look at their character. I need to celebrate who they are mm. uh, in their hearts. Your friend, now my friend, and you can tell him he's also my friend, even though he may be remain anonymous, is the epitome of what I would see as one who seeks to strive for righteousness because he cares for those who are, as it were, lost, abandoned, whatever it is, finding ways to help address the poverty they may be. And as you said, he doesn't go beyond the, the borders just yet. He works within mm. the immediate context so that, you see, so that it has a rippling effect. He is, he's cast the pebble, the pebble on the water and it has a rippling effect as his community grows and they become generous through, through the, ex, the, the experience of generosity being poured out in them. Others will benefit and the ripple effect will continue. So I, I certainly believe that there are those whose focus is just money, 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 and that's it. Um, but there are those who have the talent. I had, I had a friend who subsequently died who lived in America who would say to me, God called you, Rodney, into the business you are where you minister to the down and outs of our society, calls the dregs of our society. I have been given the gift or the talent to make money. That is why I've got to support your ministry. So that's the person that, say, that says to me is, he's, he's not living his hands with his, his life with, with closed palms. Mm. He's, got, he's got an open palm because he knows that he's got the gift and talent. He's using it. And that's the kind of people we're talking about. The person who raises wealth with generous hearts are the kind of people we need to have, have here. Because you see, their generosity is not what one would call where, where you, you, you can have sumptuous meals every day. But mm. how much of what you are sumptuously feeding on becomes waste? Mm. And, 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 and then what happens to that waste? And we now know the waste is not just the piece of meat you throw away because that can be consumed by the, the ants and whatever else who, mm. who are part of the food chain. But the meat came in a container. Yeah. What then happens to that container? So we're talking about a bigger picture here. Mm. And for me, Jesus is talking about, and I'll go back to that, you know, if on this earth I am practicing what, um, what, what Abram said, um, or what this, this guy said, yeah, he said, if he can just dip his finger into the, into the sweet r r rivers of the heaven yeah. and let me just... So that, that's for me the gospel, the generosity of heaven being poured out through the messages, messengers of God to enrich our hearts, to call us to have characters uh, who strive for righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And that is why I would dare to say I put that challenge to you because all of the stories leads us to the Harvest Festival because we all fed from the ground. Mm. And so there is both, there is generosity from the soil, for example, that we overlook the generosity of the seed who gives itself up to produce something that you and I eat and eventually dies as a result yeah. for, 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 for you. So there's the generosity of the rain that falls. There's the generosity of the gardeners, of the, of the people who, who sow and look after it. And I mean, there's such a pool of generosity. And that is why I asked, the, the, my theme says, if there is that kind of generosity which is shaped with a spiritual vision, Hmm. Will there be a future? And going to the text I use, um, houses, fields, and billiards will again be bought in this land. Talking about the future.
Mm. Um, so, so, so I would say your friend, that that person that you use, for me is using his gifts and talents, but his mind is on also caring for those who have nothing, mm. and he's got open palms and not closed palms. That's the experience I have of the people that I minister to here and minister with. Um, and that is why God blesses them, because they've got open palms and not closed palms. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting because, like, like he's he's not, um, he, he doesn't give like direct hands out handouts. Um, Absolutely. But like, he's been a, a business mentor uh, to me, um, through through the last couple of years as well, and just just working alongside him also on, on like certain projects that we that we collaborate on, um, you get to see, I get exposed to just the, the reality of like how much there is to be made, even in South Africa. Like your geographical location doesn't matter anymore, especially now after we've gone through this pandemic um, that kind of reset the world clock to like everyone starting from the same point again. Um, yes, there are those who are starting from better kind of economical uh, backgrounds, but like you could make, you can transfer wealth from anywhere, wherever you are, if you have the talents, abilities, um, insights to unlock it, you know, and that, that's been, that's, that's enriched my life uh, quite a bit. It's changed my relationship with, with money, with commerce, um, quite a bit but like again it goes back to this idea of the othering that 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 i don't like that i don't appreciate what's within these these stories where there's so much focus being put on the responsibilities of the wealthy and in this specific story that jesus is talking to talking about the author doesn't capture for me the essence of the community around Lazarus that allowed him to to flounder like that. Like I experience it in business as well, where I've like, especially now, like talking in, in, in the time of like Heritage Day, where we've this country's been afflicted by colonialism. We've been under the boot of so many oppressors that a lot of cultures, a lot of people, a lot of races have internalized that oppression. So any win that they take, they then become very selfish and very protective. Yeah. So I will walk into a room and pitch to a panel of people and there'll be one other person of color in that room. And I promise you, and this has happened probably five times in the last two years, that person will be the most difficult. That person will sabotage the entire pitch. Because they somehow feel or assume that if another person of color comes into this thing, that they're going to be diminished. <clears throat> so, like, so, communities yeah. have to pull together around yeah. each other and yeah. support each other, you know? Like, I said earlier that you can't save somebody when you're in the same situation, but you can lift them up. You can give them an opportunity that's what parents do like you sacrifice so much to give your kids the best opportunity at the future many times into to the detriment of your own present yeah so yeah like plant the seeds for someone else to to, to be you know? and i think that's what i want to say about uh, generosity your, your generosity is not just uh, giving handouts such as food parcels and so on randomly because we could be just throwing these things into a black hole um, yeah. without addressing the real issues that they are your friend gave you gives you insights around business uh, knowledge generosity flows not just from the wealth of materialism mm -hmm but from other sources of wealth that we are able to gain through our lives' experiences. Um, and again, yeah, whilst we 
I, I often found this very, very interesting, and I <clears throat> battle with it myself. As we read the interpretation of, a, of an, an, another language, story told in another language, now to make us party to that story, it, it now gets rewritten in our, in our language. So that shift from the original context to, to a, a context where language now becomes the, the, the one to help the other community understand the wealth of this story is that sometimes the story is told in such a particular way that while we may look at this, the problem with English, we look at that words. Mm. And so we, we are you know, taken by the words. But what, are the, what is the underlying message here? Mm. And that's really what we need to be looking for. Um, not not at, as how it's been interpreted. Because this plays itself off that as soon as you see the words rich person, your mind then goes into a kind of a swivel around yeah. you know, what wealth is. Um, but again, yeah, you know, I think, and this is, I value what, what you've done. You've read the whole story. You've, 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 you've understood that this story is very unique to Luke, for example. <laughs> you also understand that this is a story that has universal um, uh, um, uh, challenges if one could, if, I mean I could put it like that because we are constantly living with the issue of wealth and poverty mm -hmm. we are constantly trying to understand how you know the, the, we, 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 we under, we're trying to understand how to address poverty right mm -hmm. I find it very peculiar <clears throat> that those trying to address poverty are often in seats of wealth. Yeah. You never hear the person who is poor talking about it. Going back to your friend who comes from a place of abandonment where he understood poverty. Going into a place where he may not have been with wealthy parents, but he grew, he, was, he, he, he learned, he took advantage of the situation, but he's never forgotten that there are people in those situations, not because they want to be there, but because of generations they got stuck there. Yeah. And for other reasons. Now, why is the other friend sitting around the table now in a, in a, in a position of power, prestige, um, he's climbed the ladder, but he fears, and this is the problem with, with growing wealth, for, for some people, the fear of losing it. Mm. Uh, because look, let's, let's, let's be honest. <sighs> Wealth is like water. Yeah. It's like liquid. You, you know, uh, we, I suppose we were shocked when, was it, was it, um, was the Facebook man when one day lost, is it two or three years ago, lost so many billions in one day, one day. It, it, it didn't make him less of a billionaire. Yeah. Just that that particular um, um, trade market day, he lost so much billion yeah. shares, right? Now, um, it's, like, it's like liquid. It falls through our hands. Today mm -hmm. we can have it, tomorrow we won't. Question is, now that we have it, what are we going to do about it? So we can do what that brother around the table does. And I'm going to hold it on to. I'm not going to make space for anybody else here because I, so the sense of fear. Mm. So what does the sense of fear do? Um, it then begins to do what he does. He closes the door rather than saying, you know, where I am now, many should sit here. I'm going yeah. to make it possible for that to happen. And it's not as if where he's arrived to, we must get stuck on in that position. You coming now to make a presentation, new, new business initiatives happen every day. Yeah. And if we don't open ourselves to them, we're not going to grow. But not just on the business um, platform, on every other platform of life. Mm -hmm. New things are being produced almost every day. You know, I could walk past a person who is lying in the streets begging and I could 
offer them a piece of bread and they may say something to me that triggers off something generous enough for me to develop if I wanted to, if I listen mm. to it properly. So it's not as if there are not sufficient stuff to learn, but why when we reach that, do we close the door for others? Mm. And that says to me, because of fear. Yeah. Your friend who's become my friend will remain anonymous knows where he comes from. He hasn't closed the door when he shares in whatever responsible way he shares to help alleviate immediate poverty and to give opportunities to those to, to, to rise up out of that. So is that what Jesus is teaching us? What is the generosity of spirit? Mm. You know, if I look at just these words here, uh, this, this future aspect, the, the houses, fields, vineyards will again be bought in this land. Now, am I going to interpret that in a capitalistic way? Because let's say that is the vision of the new South Africa, of, of South Africa and saying that's what being, because it is part of what we are doing right now. Housing settlements are being promised and all these kind of things. But every time you get to where you're excited about it, there is red tape, there mm -hmm. is corruption. So that those for whom it should have been a benefit now cannot even get close to that. Why? Because our love for money is fear. Mm. Because we know how liquid it is. We can have it today. We can lose everything tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. That is why you need to ask yourself the question, if your palms are open, you used your talents correctly. There are those who may need a little bit of what you have so that they can be improved. So don't have, now that you've arrived at some level, you're going to close your hands and therefore close the door on others. Yeah. And then there is no future for anybody. Mm. And I think that is a good place to leave this conversation. Um, happy Heritage Day to South Africa. Um, whichever way you decided to to celebrate it. Um, and yeah, as always, the choice verses are in the podcast description, along with other helpful links. I know I'm very bad at putting the links in when I say I do, um, but I, I strive to get better. We are always learning. Uh, thank you very much for listening and thank you, Father, um, for a wonderful conversation. Thanks very much, Lindsay, and uh, for your openness. And uh, thank you for the others who are listening. We appreciate you all. God bless.